Chapter 16. The Art of Resignment. A Personal Letter of Resignation. Dear Distraction, Disguised as Opportunity. Since I've known you, I have become an opportunistic, multitasking, adrenaline junkie. I have always loved you, but I get too distracted and absorbed by you. When you show up, it's a race to the finish line to reach you. I start out like the fastest racehorse on the track until I get to the last furlong and my finish is lackluster. You make me insatiable. Your adrenaline is the best out there. Your temporary payoffs keep me hooked, but the aftermath is ugly. The crash is too sacrificial and I no longer want your highs. I need to resign from you and your conniving ways. You do not serve my deepest needs and you steal joy from the present day. I can't do this anymore. I need to be more disciplined and discerning. If you wave at me, I shall ignore you and carry on. Please don't take offense. Actually, I don't care if you take offense. You are my greatest offense. Proudly, the newly resigned me. After resigning from a significant project that I was almost symbiotically attached to, I became serious about writing. I felt like the musicians who seemed to write their best lyrics to their own broken hearts, or in my case, a broken and interrupted capacity. Broken capacities lead to resignations. It is difficult to talk about without being uncomfortable or egotistical. I speak to those who believe they have accomplished a great deal in a short amount of time. This is for those who have been recognized at some point for their above and beyond, for their passion and dedication, and for doing something extraordinary. I'm also speaking to those who have lost their flame, who have been working diligently and proudly only to be asked for more, to go further, to keep up at this neck-breaking pace. It's not a request. It's expected. This chapter is for those who continue hoping for permission to take a break, waiting for the recognition to take a step back and enjoy their creations. It is for those who are tired and have sacrificed personal time with loved ones. It is for those who work because they love what they do and are not just in love with what they do. They know they're making a difference in people's lives and that's why they do it. If you find any of the above resonating, find a way to resign in honor of your capacity. It's your gift. Sharing your gift takes preservation and pacing. Resignation doesn't mean you're absolved from your commitments and passions. It means discernment and being in control. I believe we have a finite amount of capacity and we need to preserve it, invest it, Make it last and savor it. The letter found at the start of this chapter was self-written by heeding my own advice and using my own self-developed system called Ego Cake. I was struggling with my commitments, obligations, options, and opportunities. I became deeply curious and increasingly self-aware, which led me to a discussion with my mom, who so elegantly pointed out the following. Mel. Your life is like this decadent dessert table filled with the most delicious and mouth-watering desserts. And you, my dear, have taken a bite out of almost every single one of them. I smiled with delight. 
pride, and a feeling of true accomplishment. Then she continued, Which one of them have you savored? Which one have you really enjoyed the most? My smile immediately slid off my face. The truth kicked me in the stomach. I had not really enjoyed any of them. I was so afraid of FOMO, the fear of missing out, that I had overindulged in opportunity. I had failed to be discerning in my selections. I was spreading myself so thin that my taste buds were numb. I was approaching this bountiful dessert table without much grace or consideration. I was charging it like it was the last piece of cake I would ever have. But if I don't dabble, and if I don't reach for it, someone else will, and I'll miss out. Ultimately, the dessert table was a metaphor holding up a mirror. This was the moment when Ego Cake, a mindfulness system, was born. And now I have an affinity for watching people at the dessert buffet tables. Thanks, Mom. I spent more than I dare to admit on training courses, coaches, conferences, books, magazines, social media hacks, domains, online courses, etc. Because I convinced myself I was not quite good enough yet. The promise that these resources would accelerate my business was tempting and seductive. My accountant even had a say in my spending habits. One day while reviewing my taxes, he slowly lifted his head and peered at me through the top of his dark-rimmed lenses and asked, What the hell are you doing in business if you aren't taking home much after all of your expenditures? I recall replying very defensively and horribly unconvincingly that, I'm investing in my skills and my abilities. I barely believed myself as his words washed over me like a tsunami. He too had called me out. Oddly enough, during all of this, I had received a 40 under 40 award. I found an incredible business partner at Your Latitude. I was publicly recognized as a professor, and I successfully founded an incubator for entrepreneurs. I was also featured in publications, served as a lead facilitator for an incredible movement, and had amazing clients. But none of this was satiating my ego. I still didn't feel worthy of it all. I felt like I was getting lucky and that my luck was always on the verge of running out. Often, friends and family members would ask me, how do you do it all? I now realize that this was not a compliment. This was their polite way of telling me that I was overcommitted. They were not romanticized by my seemingly high-capacity nature. They were quietly concerned with when I would hit the wall and inevitably crash. Yet, I couldn't get enough. My insatiable desire to conquer, my need for validation, and the opportunity to tackle the next obstacle all became ugly symptoms of a workaholic who was dangerously playing at her tipping point. They were right. I felt stretched, overcommitted, and severely distracted. Distraction is the death of productivity and creativity. We have distracted ourselves from our jobs, families, and true intentions. We have lost our focus, and the noise has become so loud, we are spinning down the endless rabbit holes, forgetting what we intended to accomplish in the first place. Gary Keller's book, The One Thing, The Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results, cites a statistic that blew me away. It said we are distracted every eight minutes. 
And that's not the scary part. We spend 33% of our day recovering from distraction. Urgency has never been so popular. We insist on instant replies, time-saving apps, productivity-focused calendars, and books that claim we can work less than five hours a week. Even the dreaded word entitlement has become an element of time. We have fallen under the spell of skipping the work and making quick gains. When you gamble with your time, you are placing bets that you may not be able to cover. But if we don't adhere to the self-imposed time constraints, societal norms will frown upon us. Or says our inner critic, aka the saboteur, famed as the negative self-talking critic or gremlin. The saboteur is not kind. It is destructive, guilty, and certainly not a friend of mine. One day, as I was leading a room full of education administrators, I was challenged on the spot. I was taking them through the Myers-Briggs personality styles, and I introduced the saboteur. We spoke about how it tears us down, stops us from doing things, immobilizes us, and embarrasses us. I was in a groove, and I had the room captivated. We were about to slap a mouth guard on the saboteur when a man from the back slowly lifted his hand. I engaged. He challenged me. If the saboteur taunts us and tells us that we can't do certain things, isn't that what drives us to go further? Might that be the catalyst to push us to the next level and step into fear? I almost dropped the mic. This dear man was speaking my language and has just taken this topic to a whole new level for me. I wondered if the saboteur was behind my distracting habits. Throughout the years, the saboteur has always provoked me. Had it always been the driving force behind the risks, opportunities I took? Don't get me wrong, it still holds me back, but I have somehow learned to push through the resistance and move forward. Even during uphill battles and steep learning curves, I would let the inner critic play around with my emotions. But eventually, it tired. And in those exact moments, my sab slayer came out and paved the way for me to be brave and resign from those awful no-can-do moments, deeply rooted in fear. These slayer moments became my adrenaline drip, and it was clearly an addiction. I knew I needed to do some reprogramming, installing new habits and meaningful rituals. I have been following the great Robin Sharma for years. I even had the pleasure of meeting him last year in his green room at the Archangel Summit. The man is pure Zen. He is the master of productivity, living a meaningful life, and leaving a legacy. He says, Genius is 10% and discipline is 90%. I have a love-hate relationship with this quote because it is both true and hard. Breaking old patterns equals starting new habits. This is where it became crystal clear to me that I needed to resign from projects, opportunities, and self-imposed obligations that were seemingly shiny and promising and replace them with new healthy and productive habits. This was going to take some serious resignation and discipline. It sounded painful. It also reminded me of a quote in the Do the Work by Stephen Pressfield. He says, Resistance is a repelling force. It's negative. Its aim is to shove us away, distract us, and prevent us from doing our work. And so, I bid farewell to distraction, 
I knew it would visit me from time to time. And when it did show up, I would set it up with a friend, master of resignment. She is a force to be reckoned with. My biggest business struggle. Being an ENFP on the Myers-Briggs personality profile, as an entrepreneur, I am my own worst enemy at times. I have great ideas and best intentions, but my spontaneity can get me off of track and in the weeds. I am left fighting my own urges when it comes to overextending and overcommitting. Most of my life, I have been able to pull it off, and now I realize that my energy is precious. Relationships are delicate, and special moments won't offer a do-over. Scattering myself in different projects is exciting. It extends the reserves of my adrenaline drip, but only temporarily. And it has caused a serious dependency, the dependency on the next opportunity. I was waiting passively for it or saying yes in desperation to get my fix. The multitasking adrenaline junkie was stealing the show and I was putting my true self backstage. It was time to get myself off the drip, to take charge and resist some of the strongest urges. As I work on resignment every single day, it has become a discipline, a form of delayed gratification for my alter ego. I'm still working through this process because it's a lifelong process, but it's about aligning my values with my soul and making me a better human. It does justice to my gifts. It's also helping thousands of people around me. A success I enjoy. This is a difficult one for me. Because of my overcapacity nature and overcommitment tendencies, I found myself redefining success as I once thought I knew it. The unquenchable thirst to tackle something new and the need for immediate validation was telling me that my success barometer was broken. It was clear that I was a decorated warrior of my own self-doubt battles. However, I am so proud of each battle scar because it represents a moment in time where I overcame fear and self-inflicted adversity. Today, success to me is crossing different finish lines with intention and discernment. But the most triumphant finishes have been with my loved ones. They have my back. They never give up on me or my dreams. It's about showing my children that being intentional and authentic will always prevail. Lessons I learned the hard way that might help you. Number one, know your why. If you don't, find it. Your life will forever be changed for the good when you do. Number two, if everything is important, nothing is important. Select with discernment. Resign with authenticity when you need to and redirect your energy with intention. Number three, remember that distraction is the death of productivity and creativity. Find your own ways to stay focused. One step you can take today. Incorporate the art of resignment in your life. We are all fabulous at assigning ourselves tasks and obligations. Resign with trust. Step away from the thing that is no longer aligned with your values, your precious time, and your goals. You know what that one thing is. We all have one. Authored and narrated by Melanie Sodka.